It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Hello, welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we dive into episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here, coming to tell us the whole truth today is Andrew Shearer. Hi. Can you handle the truth? Mm, no. <laughs> I, I, would just, <laughs> I was just hearing about um, in A Few Good Men when, um, they, when Jack Nicholson was on set for that scene, even when they were doing coverage on other actors he'd uh, just go full blast like when he didn't need to right and they're like you can tone it down you're not this isn't your cut right and he's like i just like acting <laughs> that's a good nicholson um <laughs> i remember going to see a few good men uh when my friends all did because it was like you know uh it was just very well reviewed and it was just not the kind of movie that i went to see so yeah i i took my girlfriend to it and like pretty much every movie between 92 and 95 made out during the whole thing. Okay. Well, that's never, fine. Never saw that's one good. frame of the movie. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's fine. I mean, it's, again, great movie, but not yeah. It's If I want to see some Nicholson, it's uh, what is it? it's, you know, five easy pieces or the shining or, or the like, last detail, the last oh, detail, the last detail. See, that's, I am the, well, I can't say the quote, but you know, the shore patrol, <laughs> the blankety blank shore patrol. Yeah. 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 Love Just uh, you know, the, the filthiest movie to what big Lebowski is it? Well, they were language wise. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. It's, it's sailor talk. Yeah. Yeah. It made uh, sense. No sailors today though. Uh, this is the whole truth and I'll trivia it up a bit before we start talking about Jack Nicholson's entire career. Cause he's not in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Original air date was January 20th, 1961, which was the same day John F. Kennedy was sworn in as the 35th president of the United States. So not by accident, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a script by Rod Serling. Director James Sheldon was a television mainstay from the 50s to the 80s, and his long list of credits include a myriad of classic shows like MASH, The Man from UNCLE, and The Love Boat, just to name a few. Harvey Honeycutt was played by Jack Carson. Carson had a classic film career, playing the comedic sidekick to some of Hollywood's biggest leading men, like James Cagney in The Strawberry Blonde and Cary Grant in Arsenic and Old Lace. Loring Smith was Honest Luther Grimbley. His on-screen career is just a smattering of supporting roles, but he made a splash acting both on Broadway and on The West End. He will return to the zone in I Dream of Jeannie which is different than the sitcom I Dream of Genie, yes. which, which is not different than the sitcom Bewitched, at least in my universe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think I just pissed off a few people there. <laughs> no, I mean, you have your, you have your favorites. <laughs> I mean, I... Well, anyway, we could, I could talk about that, but I won't. In con, I, yeah, I honestly haven't seen much of those shows since I was like five years old anyway, so I'm 
I'm just talking out of the 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 the, the West End there. Okay. <laughs> in contrast, the old man played by George Chandler appeared in supporting roles in around 140 films, but he's probably best known as Uncle Petri Martin on the TV show Lassie. I don't know if that accent was accurate at all because Lassie's another show I haven't seen since I was five. Hmm. Except, except for that Ben Stiller sketch with Manson. That was great. Ever see that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I got the eye of the tiger and I don't know who to kill first. Okay, there. That's what Uncle Petri Martin probably says. Right. Well done. That's an exact quote from an episode of Lassie. Our young car buyers, Jack King, who would later gain renown as General Harlan Bull Fulbright on the A-Team. Um, he just passed on September 9th, 2022 at the age of 90. Oh, well, 90s, a pretty ripe one, I guess. Yeah. Irv was played by Artie Johnson, best known for being the dirty old man on a park bench and Rowan and Martin's laughing. Um, I guess since I mentioned the last guy died at the age of 90, so did he. But that was in 2019. So it's not quite as uh, just last month as, as no, but uh, I knew it was recent, though, or fairly recently. Yeah. OK. I, I guess you you go old school with the uh, prologues, don't you? Well, but, no, no, I, you did a weird one once. You you gave me a bizarre one at one point in time. But uh, like I said, this is kind of a long one, so you might want to, you know, be ready for the the haul. Go ahead. Well, yeah, we'll do some. I like to do thrilling by drawing my teeth out on the top. All right, here we go. This. As the banner already has proclaimed, is Mr. Harvey Honeycutt, an expert on commerce and con jobs, a brash, bright, and larceny-loaded wheeler and dealer who, when the good Lord passed out a conscience, must have gone for a beer and missed out. And these are a couple of other characters in our story. A little old man in a Model A car, but not just any old man, and not just any Model A. There's something very special about the both of them. As a matter of fact, in just a few moments, they'll give Harvey Honeycutt something that he's never experienced before. Though the good offices of a little magic, they will unload on Mr. Honeycutt the absolute necessity to tell the truth. Exactly where they come from is conjecture, but as to where they're heading for, this we know, because all of them, and you, are on the threshold of the Joe. You know, you could, you could also, like, smoke a pack of chesterfields and, and then you won't have to dry the teeth on your own that little island full of gay romance <laughs> i I've, I've never really smoked but um the song dark alley i did which is in the movie psycho vixens in the bar scene mm-hmm. I, I did pack as i'd smoke like a pack of cigarettes before doing the vocal just so i could be as tom waits as possible <laughs> a pack not really, probably two, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just I just told you to smoke a pack of Chesterfield, so I thought I should keep the terminology going. But yeah, yeah. I don't know about a, a pack would have made you just vomit into the microphone. Yeah, as I was saying that, I was like, that can't be right because I would have vomited <laughs> into the microphone. A pack of what am I talking about? I recorded the vocals in the toilet though, so it would have been like easy to deal with that if that had come to pass. Weird on the toilet, not on the toilet in the room in in the bathroom. Okay. Sorry, in Japan you have to say like toilet and then bathroom because they're in different rooms. The toilet's in the toilet, the bath is in the bathroom. Gotcha. And rarely, well, in apartments, the, the sometimes it's the same, but in houses they're always separate. So, yeah, you have to you have to watch your terminology a little bit, right? Um, 
something I've never done before is actually bought a car like on a lot. I sold my car once, but I've never bought a car, mm. like gone through the process. Um, it sucks. Yeah, because in America, I, I bought a car for my my first car is I bought for my roommate. And then my aunt sort of handed me down her car because she got a that Volkswagen Beetle. And a year later, yes. decided she didn't like driving a stick shift. So she gave me the stick shift and uh, got like the turbo or something. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, I like the stick shift. And in Japan, I don't, I don't, I'm at work when they, whenever that happens. And yeah, which is actually only one. So yeah, I, I haven't been in on, on the process. Have you, have you been in yeah. on the process? Oh yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. 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 So, my adult life. How was it? Did you have to deal with honey cuts? Um, this is the way they do it. Um, they give you a nice version of Honeycut when they're trying to sell you the car. Then once they sell you the car, they give you like the devil <laughs> <laughs> to work out the details. Work out the details. Yeah, that's where like they, okay. the, the, they put all the nice guys on the sales floor and all the like just sycophants on the yeah in this in the actual like rooms to do the paperwork They're okay because i was thinking the closest i got to this um and I, I'll, I'll preface the story a little bit when when i was a kid my my mom as you probably know is kind of ultra thrifty <laughs> so sure. so when we'd go places like disney world or even like colonial williamsburg she'd always do the thing where you get the free tickets and you have to listen to someone's timeshare pitch i've done this too right I've so too. so when i was like um about you know, 25 or something um when uh, my wife and i came to did our delayed honeymoon at disney world or whatever i was like oh well that worked out well because as a kid you're just like oh i was just like bored for an hour you know i read a book that sort of thing but sure yeah yeah but in this case i actually had to deal with them and uh yeah that sucked <laughs> yeah I, I can remember um uh my experience with that was that like when you say no to one person they send in another like pushier person and then that and then, person tries to guilt trip you if yep, like, and then that like... person then finally as you're actually in your car and successfully leaving there's a guy in the back seat that pops up with a bomb strapped to his chest <laughs> yeah yeah if you I don't mean, buy this time she i'm gonna blow this up this whole thing <laughs> up. everybody's dying today buy the you don't share. buy the timeshare nobody's getting the timeshare <laughs> that's right so uh yeah i'm yeah. in a coffin that's what you get Anyway, yeah, my wife's edict after that was, uh, yeah, we're not doing that again. No, no. <laughs> we're just going to buy a, the tickets. Sure, yeah, that was a one and done for us as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, uh, I, man, my parents, like, went through that crap at least, like, five times or something. I don't, I don't know what was up with that. Nerves so, of steel. I guess so, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a wheeler dealer. I, I couldn't, like, you know, I couldn't sell money, probably, so, like, mm-hmm. that I'm giving away. <laughs> no i can't say i've ever been in a position where i had to hawk things as in have to for my job yeah yeah um i've had a little bit of that being in the 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 private end of education stuff occasionally but yeah it's not my my will forte i'm not forting with will on that one <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why that came to mind i think that every time i see that guy's name Okay, that's cool. Um, anyway, yeah. So we got the young buyer who looks just like Mark Wahlberg, but hopefully has like a better past history. Um, sure, yeah. 
I just keep I, that's the thing. Season one, we're all like the Hollywood Babylon stories on the Twilight Zone. And season two, we keep getting like good players who look exactly <laughs> like other people. It's really weird. <laughs> I agree. I agree. As a matter of fact, I was when I when I saw Artie Johnson, I was like, hey, that guy looks like a young Artie Johnson. <laughs> Well, that works because it was already Johnson, but that I know, but know, I was guy... so sure that it was some other guy be- just because of the way season two is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I definitely felt like I was watching Mark Wahlberg for, for half the time. Um, sure. Of course, that's that's just for funsies, right? That's just for a giggle or two. And then the, the Model A shows up, which that is a full on hipster car. I mean, that would be the star of your lot now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, back then they were just pieces of crap. And um oh what, except what, what was he oh I always used to say when people are like what car would you like I'd be like yeah I want like a thirty eight Ford coupe that would be like awesome I mean I'd want to like you know retrofit it with like modern stuff inside but uh so that it runs yes that yeah, I'd like the fender to stay on unlike the one in this but uh <laughs> that was funny <laughs> yeah, twice <laughs> um but yeah a black Ford coupe man uh, I always thought that would be like awesome to roll around and now i want the batmobile more like the 60s but the adam west batmobile that's what i'd like my car to be now but i think you could literally roll around in that because i'm fairly certain they were just made of reinforced steel and it was just sort of you know if you hit any other car on the road today it would just obliterate that other car so it was it's batman's batmobile was not a tank like in the nolan movies and this model a would be the tank yeah now now i did wonder why would you want a tank based car tanks are slow it's like this is based on what abrams tank or something it's like that 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 moves like 38 miles an hour at like most well so you get the jet engine on it okay is it 48 miles per (laughs) jet tank that's there's a good idea for an 80s action show jet tank You know, and then they could do a crossover with Jet Tank versus Airwolf. That would be fantastic. That's we can right. bring a Manimal as, as for like surprise cameo. Manimal eating a manwich. That would be good commercial placement. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the ways he sell he sells the car for twenty five bucks, which I guess is cheap even in nineteen sixty one. It's really hard to tell, you know, what that means anymore. Is Use that the like, inflation calculator. Is that like two million dollars now? <laughs> Australian, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, the car is haunted. That's that's fun. Have you ever, ever had a haunted car? Yeah. Well, I at least had one that smelled dead inside. <laughs> well, it was our friend's car that smelled like dirt, I remember. Oh. There was some... It was uh, Jeff's car. He he had had some incident at Stone Mountain, and I was in his car a week later, and the whole thing smelled like dirt. And he was playing Smashing Pumpkins' "Gish" at top volume. So anytime I hear that album now, the smell of dirt comes to mind. Oh, it would have been funny if he was to that record, "Dirt." Allison changed "Dirt." Oh, that would have um, made more sense. Yeah, I I um I once rode around. Uh, I had a well, um, a friend of mine's father picked us up from the mall, and that car was basically a flintstone like you would look down at the floorboard in the back and you saw the street all right that's cool (laughs) i was like you know i better keep my feet up here i'm not talking about lemon though i'm talking about haunted oh i actually haunted um i mean i would i would have to say i had a car that reminded me of christine that was the big white cutlass 
Oh yes, yes, yes. That was a yeah. One. That thing. Um, yeah, it. I would say it. It actively tried to to sever my legs on many occasions. <laughs> Do you still have your legs? Legs cut off. Legs cut off. Yeah, man. Going going well so far. There you go. Um, uh, visiting my my aunt, my grandparents in Delaware back in the nineties. It might still be there. I remember driving past on a uh, Route One or something. I don't know if that's the right route, but uh, there was some like was it like an art installation where someone had taken a car and like put like this guy sold me this car and it's a lemon, and then there was like a little sculpture of a lemon and stuff, and it was just like this bizarre art installation of some guy that was totally pissed off about the car he bought. <laughs> I mean, when life gives you a lemon, you make a weird art installation. You make a weird art installation. <laughs> So, yeah, that that certainly came to mind. Um, now, of course, I sometimes we say you see the, the tw- we know the twist because it's a really famous Twilight episode, um, Twilight Zone episode, or, you know, you can totally see it coming. Um, mm-hmm. I would argue um, 22 in a few weeks, great episode, but you can see that twist coming, you know, forever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, this one, I don't think you could ever really... No. Yes, this twist. <laughs> no, this was a very uh I mean it, I I don't even know if I could I would I would describe it as a shock ending not in like the traditional sense or even in the twilight zone sense but in the sense that it was one of the rare instances where they made a joke out of an actual living political figure. Right. And and that's why I put in my trivia this came out on inauguration day so it was like very much targeted at the end call jack candy and tell him khrushchev's gonna tell him the truth about everything you know (laughs) yeah that was oh it was just it was wild and you know you tend to and i don't know if it's super clear in in some of the other episodes because serling rarely was able to be like as political especially by season two where they found out that kids really loved the show (laughs) you know and so he was rarely ever was writing for adults even though it was on late enough to where he you know it was de- definitely an adult show, but uh, yeah, he was just tried to avoid controversy kind of at every turn. Yeah, I mean, uh, this was politics in very, you know, large strokes. I mean, it's not like anyone's going to be like, what he's he's dissing Khrushchev, you know, I mean, well, he, I mean, uh, Serling is anti-communist. I mean, he was definitely, you know, his progressive stuff that we've talked about in the past. Um, uh, I don't think you know, covered absolutely everything because he was a real like pro America um, and, you know, he's a war veteran and he, um, yeah, very anti-communist, which was in line with a lot of the popular opinion of the time. But if you, you know, like were to do this episode today and replace to it, you know, call Trump and tell him Ken John's going to tell him the truth. That wouldn't wear very well or call Biden and tell him, you know, Putin's going to tell him the truth. Now it wouldn't, on inauguration day that i feel like that wasn't really people would be like looking at their screen sideways like what <laughs> yeah no it's true and so but it is yeah it, it's it was it's so it's a yeah i hadn't seen this one in a while and um because it wasn't it was it's only the only times i watch it or when i'm going through and the, the entire run on my discs which i don't do like yearly or anything um so i was like whoa <laughs> 
So what what keeps you away from this one out of curiosity? I I watched this about three times before the podcast, but it's not one I'd seen or remembered seeing before. Um, I think that's the thing. It, it's not it one it's, you tend to remember. Is it because it's comedic? Is it because it's on video? That That's one thing that, that's been coming up with six video <sighs> episodes. It's like, this is the first time I'm like, maybe the video fits because it makes it look like a weird used car commercial. Mm, I mean, that's one way to think about it. Another way to think about it is the video format really sort of told on them as far as it being like, I think they're okay with the stuff that's all interior sets, like the ones that are in a house. But I don't think it served it very well in terms of you know, this episode largely takes place outdoors. Yeah, this and one basically felt like a stage play. Yeah, I don't feel like it. it I don't I, I don't feel like it was served very well. That aspect of it, of you know, trying to simulate an actual outdoor location. I don't think the videotape served it very well, but I don't think it's that. I think it's the kind of sameness um, to a lot of better episodes where you've got this object that the character has that either you know makes gives them powers of some kind or gives them prescience of some kind you know what i mean and um they don't i don't know the gotcha is not as big um the twist if you could call it that is the fact that it's haunted and makes you tell the truth so well, I would I say the twist is the Khrushchev's not going to tell the truth. I feel like that was the actual twist because the uh, it's supposed to be, but I the don't. The car makes that. you tell the truth is like what five minutes into the episode, right? Yeah, yeah. So to find that out at the end might have been, I don't know. After all the years go by, might have maybe played better. I just it's not one of the ones where I really remember the characters. It's not one of the ones where I even remember how it ends. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, I think it's the sameness to other ones that I, I like more. You know, I think there was one in season two where it was a, about a coin, you know, and things like that. And so um, that's a little cooler to me than just this. Because you see, you talk about a haunted car. Well, you want like something spectral to happen, like Christine or you know what I mean? Uh, or somebody to be dead. I, I don't know. Just calling it haunted and then have it really just have a curse that like, well, we think of Liar Liar now, the Jim Carrey movie. And there's, I think, um, what was the other one? Something Words with uh, Eddie Murphy? Something like that. Although one that came to, that came to mind for me, especially because he is starting to talk to um, to, to Honest What's-His-Name, um, Grimly, uh, like kind of a being there vibe, because Peter Sellers yeah. is just so... In that movie, he's just so like basically, he's so Peter Sellers that he can't do anything but tell the truth in simple metaphors, which plays yeah. to the politicians like mad, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true, and and you know this may just may well have been uh you know a vehicle for Serling to make his commentary as much as he was kind of allowed or felt free to do, you know? I mean, because I mean? episode tur turnover rate, yeah, they probably would have been, yeah, they would have filmed this shot this like right after the election oh and now let's schedule it for inauguration day because that's our normal air date so yeah you know. and, and in that regard i mean in other in the ways that we've talked about i think it's it's not one of serling's stronger scripts yeah certainly it has a little more of a ham-fisted vibe though i really do like the shyster dialogue that's that's is, is that term okay now <laughs> no it, it i yeah because you're saying shyster you're not saying you okay know, one yeah of yeah <laughs> other things but um he that's funny like the stuff he's saying is funny 
Like, and it's funny to hear an actor who, you know, you establish him as, as a, you know, a shade tree salesman or whatever they do. I love your face, man. (laughs) Before then uh, turning him around. I want to do that more like the dude though. I love your face, man. (laughs) (laughs) You have to say so many curse words. (laughs) So no, it's, that's all well and good, but it just, to me, um, I don't know. I don't even think it's the videotape for me because some of the videotape episodes, I forget I'm watching the videotape, you know, but uh, yeah. this one, I, I, it never feels naturally outdoors. I've like said it on another episode or two, like they could have like targeted which ones they did on video a little better. Yes. Uh, and I'm actually curious what you think, because I felt the last one you did with me, I, the beholder, great on film, don't want it on videotape. I'm like, that one would have made sense on videotape. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah, no, I, obscure the effects um nervous man in a four dollar room was already cost saving because it's two actors on one set so yeah yeah that one could be videotape why not you know (laughs) but um then they got anyone that's it's supposed to be stagey anyway anything that's mostly interiors videotape fine um but when you're dealing with stuff taking place outside imagine some of the ones where it has iconic outdoor scenes that just on videotape would just night of the meek is mostly city streets and it's like yeah this doesn't quite look right Mm -hmm. um no lateness of the hour i guess is like it's all indoors and Mm -hmm. and such but i was like man it it would have a better like gothic feel if it's on film so um, no that one is one of the ones i really like and has some real punch and yeah i i think it's i i think the uh as a you know for the legacy i think it's sort of been betrayed by that uh by that videotape and then, I, uh, you know, we just, I, I've just recorded the 22 episode. I, that, and that one kind of works because it's that hazy, dreamy feeling. And it's mostly indoors. So I guess mm-hmm. you could argue that one actually was, is the best fit for where it is. Yeah, because the whole truth comes out just feeling like, like it would have felt a whole lot less cheap on film, for, like you're saying, you know? Yeah. And so, no, I, I don't like avoid it, like maybe because of that. You know, if anything, I'm always like, oh, right, this one was tape. And it's obvious which ones are tape. Uh, but um, yeah, it's more of just like you know, there's other ones with uh, where there's an object that that does that gives somebody some powers or prescience that I, I, I prefer to this one. Oh, the the other one is, um, that that I thought really was good on this episode was uh, when his assistant shows up with the the new sales signs posters. Oh, <laughs> those are not ready to go. You know? No, see, that's funny. And and I know that this was, I think, mostly written for humor for the audience. But, you know, Serling is trying to get his licks in there, with, you know, in which way he can. And, and nothing more obvious than the fact that the shock we were talking about, which is that he actually, you know, names Khrushchev in the show, has him as a character. That that said, when the um when the assistant realizes he's never getting a raise and sucker punches uh, <laughs> Honeycutt, it's like the worst slowest sucker punch ever. Yeah, it's a little laughable. And 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 it's not a Twilight Zone thing because I think it was in the last flight we got a fantastic sucker punch. So yeah, um, no, it's the, not like they just, couldn't do it. No, I mean it's just a it's a small set and you know it's supposed to be like a holy crap moment and it kind of is like when i was watching i was like ooh, damn but uh still no it doesn't it doesn't do any favors for them it just feels like you said very stagey um let's start with our questions on this episode 
in this episode who entered or took a transit through the twilight zone the car well the car was built in the twilight zone according to the old man he's like from the day it was built it's been you know cursed <laughs> all right so it just stayed cursed didn't it yeah hmm i mean obviously there's a sequence of owners that i guess while they own the car they're in the twilight zone i would definitely say by the end of the episode honeycut has exited the twilight zone khrushchev goes in yeah khrushchev's next and it's the old man that's honeycut then it's khrushchev yeah so that would follow and it'll have trouble selling it with the the communist system of 1961 <laughs> <laughs> i don't even want to think about that part we'll sell it to chairman mao <laughs> oh god that's terrible <laughs> however likely yeah so um are there any like ancillary characters i i guess the couple buying the card is just there they're just dealing with the scumbag so that yeah i mean they they'll definitely be like why did he why did he start changing telling us weird stuff later but yeah yeah no they they leave they they actually escape before they're actually they get anywhere ivy is just uh you know he's he's just a burnt assistant so he, mm-hmm. he i guess he's a little deeper in because his boss and his uh, livelihood is is going bonkers but he again he leaves before that goes on too long although he does mm-hmm. make the signs first so there's that he does <laughs> are the signs from the twilight zone hmm i mean he made them but had he made them while i guess if he made them while um honeycut was in the twilight zone then maybe yeah okay um maybe for the second the do they deserve their trip well i feel like the focus there should mostly go on the old man and honeycut and unless you mm-hmm. disagree but um how about those guys what do you think do they deserve their trips through the twilight zone or did they gain anything or lose anything mm. honeycut totally deserved it he sucked well yeah but then he kind of comes out roses at the end right so maybe he did not get what he deserves <laughs> mm, true yeah he, that's that's true that's true that's well, i guess a... he's getting a divorce so <laughs> yeah i was gonna say I, I don't know i don't know that that little period of his life until he finally sold the car i don't know that he could like undo some of the damage there <laughs> i mean he's, <laughs> he's got no career prospects and definitely no good job references and uh yeah i think he he ruined his yeah because he told his wife exactly how what it would have creep he'd been but now he's like a bit of a hero maybe but but i guess he's like kind of a you know unseen behind the scenes hero because he's just trying to pass a message along mm-hmm. to, to the press so he's not really going to get so hey that that could be his uh unselfish act at the end there oh right avoiding uh avoiding a you know what nuclear war or whatever i mean the cuban missile crisis was what the closest we've come to it isn't it i mean so i yeah i yeah it's it's hard to we don't have enough evidence how would the missile crisis have gone though if khrushchev did have absolute candor at that time (laughs) that could have been a problem (laughs) I was gonna say, you know, you can you can sit there and analyze this this particular aspect of it. 
<laughs> um, how about the tripometer? Where do you want to put it on the tripometer? I don't know, man. Again, I just feel like the concept of a haunted car was just way underused here. Um, I, God, I think I think the tripometer would be more for the audience for the fact of these real life references. Um, so I guess it's a trip in that regard, but just as an episode, I think I feel like it's really low. I want to give it maybe two, two and a half. Okay. Um, I was thinking three because of the the signs mostly. Those signs were really trippy. Um, okay. <laughs> I just I don't know. I I thought that was highly amusing. So that's that's where my but and, and then just yeah, the dialogue. Uh as you said, it's not the best written episode, but the dialogue is pretty sharp when it's sharp so i really dig oh, yeah. that no um, I, I laughed a lot and my wife was watching it with me and she laughed too so, so you would have preferred the car from a thing about machines that chases the guy into a swimming pool <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean that was oh, a haunted car right no it was fully yeah and, and i god i like that one so much it, what, yeah i just need i need a little more if you're gonna call something haunted i was like let's see it do something you know what i'm saying yeah, well, I guess that's your example of a similar episode done better. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. There's just, it has, and I feel like we've talked about one before, this more than once with season one, there are just some that, that were just like, okay, well, you know, this is, this is, there are good ideas here, but I feel as, as far as execution, they were done, you know, because you can't run as long as Twilight Zone did without repeating kind of themes and, you know, protagonists and, and MacGuffins and whatever, you know. Although I did like Jack Carson as Harvey Honeycutt a little better, I think, than the guy in The Thing About Machines, because Harvey Honeycutt's right on that line of being likable and completely unlikable at the same time, where in The Thing About the Machines, the, the dude's, like, insufferable. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is a, in terms of a character the audience will, like, end up relating to, yeah, because he starts out, I mean, he has a true arc. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, my I've, I've said this a lot of times but my favorite thing about twilight zone is just the econ economy of storytelling that they have i mean they really do it's just incredible what they're able to do in uh in that compressed running time um every once in a while we mentioned the uh, the 2000s era radio dramas um are you familiar with the radio drama for this one i know that it wasn't khrushchev in the radio drama Oh no! They changed it to like um, like someone from the Middle East. But the, the main point is, um, in in your wheelhouse, the uh, the star performer in that one is Henry Rollins. So, doing I guess he's doing the Honeycut role. <laughs> Sweet. So I just I had that, no idea. Uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. I saw that watching it and, and, and it shows the special features and it's like radio drama starring Henry Rollins, which I didn't have time to listen to, but um, I was like, oh, that I, I probably will because I just want to see how that plays. That's got to be mm. wild. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, Henry was always like part stand-up comedian, you know, sometimes completely stand-up comedian, depending on what you saw him do. Well, my main thing with him was those three good songs on, um, was it the end of silence or whatever? And um, otherwise, I was just listening to all his you know, spoken word cassette tapes in my car. I didn't really listen to the music. <laughs> no, I've seen the band or saw the band because it's not, it's, he doesn't even play music anymore. But um, I saw him just by himself talking way more times uh, than I ever saw the band. It eventually became what I was more interested in. And I couldn't even tell you what the album, what you know, the band was up to at a point. 
Uh, do you have any other big points on this episode? Um, no, not really. I mean, again, it's not one of the ones that I would consider a favorite. Um, I, I think, uh, um, there are ones that I like a lot better that do kind of similar things, not just in season two, but maybe in even season one and beyond. Um, but this is, I would definitely read more about it from a historian's perspective. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly ripe for, like you said, it's one you'll watch when you're doing a rewatch of the show, but if you're cherry picking, it might not, it might not stick out so much. No. And I don't even remember it being part of the marathons. Yeah. Like I said, it's not one I was particularly familiar with. So Mm -mm. maybe it was on a marathon. The whole thing just was kind of over my head, but I just feel like the premise for what it is, um, is not going to make an impression. I think it's more subtle what it's doing. Maybe this was the part of the marathon when you, when you took a crap. (laughs) It's like a whole truth is on. Well, it's time to hate, take a whole Duke. (laughs) Um, it is the middle of November. I know you have some stuff coming up. You want to rap about it? Absolutely, yeah. Our new movie, Jugsaw, is finally available on DVD and Blu-ray if there's any left by the time um, that this episode drops. Uh, Our annual um, underground movie show is going to take place at Athens City on December 2nd and 3rd. And then on the 4th, we'll do a live stream via our YouTube channel, but that's going to be live. So, you know, it's not something that's going to stay there. Livity Live. Okay. There, I was mm-hmm. rapping for you. Um, there you go. <laughs> it's Time Enough Podcast. It's Time Enough Pod on Twitter and Facebook. We do lots of podcasts. You can support us on Patreon at Podcastio Podcastius, where we also talk about sci-fi films at Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. And if you're a gamer, you can get into the games with Luke Loves Pokemon, Monster Mash, doing the Monster Hunter, and the Game Game Show, which is for British guys screaming insults at each other i've been told i should keep I, i've been told i should continue using that as the description for that show so <laughs> great okay what can i sell you I can, I can sell you this duster ah how are you it's only eight years old it it, it barely has any dust in it I, i'm dusting things with it now and it's all looking slightly better 80 bucks what do you think uh, I can sell you. This is the ring from Bad Girl Dracula. Oh, that's an actual film collectible then. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't want to sell that. This is painted by Extina Pierce Tomlin for the movie, and um, she was not in it. But uh, yeah, this is a pretty. This is a pretty great thing. I don't know if it has the same powers as sex Feratu had in the movie because i'm not a lesbian vampire but if you know a lesbian vampire you can test it out and see if it's more than just a just a cool looking prop maybe someday <laughs> maybe someday you too can be a lesbian vampire <laughs> <laughs> Well
Yeah. 